Hey, what's good, what's good, what's good? Welcome to Reflections of a DJ, the road podcast presented by DJ City and Beat Source. I am one of your hosts, DJ Crooked. We got DJ Never here. Yo, 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 what up? We got DJ D-Miles. What's good, what's good? We got Jamie the Great. Yeah. And this is the LA edition of the road podcast. We have invaded the Beat Source offices. Mm-hmm. We are here in LA, in West Hollywood. We got a special guest. I had the pleasure of meeting him at Beyond the Music, right? At the Beyond the Music retreat. Yes. And we had a good conversation. Yeah. And you're a TikTok sensation. TikTok sensation. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, so Jamie calls me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then we're really honored to have you over here. We got DJ Habibi to the yeah. building. Yo, yo. What's good? Yo, yo. If I was to describe you as like a TikTok sensation, a DJ, that's cool with you, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's the reason that I'm able to DJ full time. It changed my life. Right, right. I mean, I I feel like you've probably explained this so many times. I don't know if you've done a lot of pod- I know you did Spider's podcast mm-hmm. and everything. But what's so interesting about you is also like you you were like, you know, you you have a law degree, right? Yeah. And uh you took the bar. Yeah. For California. Yeah. So you can technically practice yeah. like law. Yeah. Right? You'll be a lawyer. Yeah. yeah. So you can do all so, that shit. So if I need a lawyer right now, I could like ask you to help me out or you, you? could. I, I probably wouldn't since I'm, <laughs> I'm, spe- I'm spending my time not really studying anything or learning anything. What do you specialize? What law specifically? Well, when you go to law school, you yeah. don't you don't have a major. You, you have don't. it's a general education, but then you can take like electives depending on what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, what I wanted to do was yeah. work in music. So I wanted to either like represent artists or maybe work at a label. Um, I wanted to do do something music. So you're set for like contracts. Yeah, I do my own. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, That's it's, awesome. No, it's it's it comes in handy for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> wow. So like you, that's sick. I mean, this it's it's also like tedious, right? I mean, just going through contracts and everything is there. It can be. I mean, the thing about going to law school. So going to law school does not. When you take contracts class in law school, yeah, it does not prepare you. They don't teach you how to write a contract in contracts class. Like they teach you a lot of the like history of cases and where law precedent comes from so mm-hmm. so but i luckily had an internship where i got to work um in the legal department of insomniac insomniac uh, puts on like edc right yeah, yeah, hard yeah. summer mm-hmm. uh, a bunch of like big festivals and so it was there that i got to do a lot of like contract drafting and review specifically around like entertainment related stuff so like live events yeah so it was there that i got to learn i guess it kind of demystified contracts to me cuz to someone who does, who's not gone to law school or who's not worked with contracts for a little bit contracts can seem like a different language mm-hmm. you know what i mean they just seem like am i really going to read this and understand it and when you do read it if you haven't gone to law school it just makes no sense so it kind of demystified it a little bit for me and made it easier for me to understand like the the basic kind of structure of like okay this contract is missing this or i need that or this is kind of bullshit i have to change that which which helps a lot it's it's interesting to me cuz uh for you like i i kind of want to know a couple of things you obviously have two passions right one led, you know, I mean, one you're living right now, one you were preparing for. Uh, you know, I, I kind of want to hear a little bit more about you as a younger kid and how both elements kind of influenced you from the beginning. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I guess I'll start from, I learned how to DJ when I was like 13, 14 years old. Uh, it was my uncle who taught me. So, really? Yeah, so my uncle's a DJ. What kind of a um, DJ is your uncle? So he was really into like, like Todd Terry, um, like so he's uh, like a house DJ, house DJ right? for sure. Yeah, house DJ for sure. And this is in, and you're from Cali. You're from LA. No, I'm I'm, I'm from San Francisco, San Francisco, San Francisco yeah. born and raised the Bay. in the Bay Area. That's what's up. And your uncle's kind of known in um, 
in the club scene in San Francisco, right? Yeah, so him and, and my other uncle, their brothers, like uh, one DJed and one was a promoter. In, in the 80s and 90s, they threw a lot of big parties and they did a lot of like house music parties and freestyle music. Oh, and then, shit. Um, a lot of like, a lot of like Middle Eastern events too, which was cool. Mm. And um, yeah, so they, so they were like- What were their names? What were their names? Uh, DJ Natter. Uh, was my uncle's DJ name DJ uh, Natter? Yeah, and then my other uncle's Nabil. So Nabil. he used to do uh, promote. He used Did they to have a theme promote. night? Did they have like they a had name? different? They have different names. One of the parties was called Level Up. Um, Level the, Up. Yeah, one of the parties was called Release. Um, there was a couple. They had like good names. Oh yeah, parties. yeah, yeah. No, no, they they were they're kind of they're almost like. You know, they're like relevant now. Yeah. You can have a Use level up party now. or yeah. release yeah. party. Now. Oh, that was like back dope. in the nineties. You said 80s, yeah, yeah, eighties and nineties. Yeah, so like. I, I, I was born in 94, so I wasn't really around for any of that, but yeah. everyone who I know who was around for that, who's told me about it, says that it was like legendary. Like they talk about it like it was the craziest shit they've ever So wait, we're in the Bay where they're having these parties. San Francisco. San Francisco? Yeah. And it was like what, like, was it like rave parties, house parties? Yeah, I think like, it was mostly house music. Like I think they used to do- um, And mostly Middle Eastern crowds? No, 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 that was separate. They had like, I think that was a separate party that they did. Oh, like, wow. They, or they would do separate like, events like that but they used to i think the club used to be called deviate um in sf i think it i don't i don't know all the history of exactly where but it doesn't exist anymore yeah, yeah, yeah. but i think that's where it was and then they've done stuff at like the galleria downtown and they've done big new year's parties and things that um the club that it doesn't exist anymore in san francisco i'm forgetting the name um I'm blanking on it. It's cool, but so like when you were growing up, you guys had family events. Where they were they DJing just for, yeah, for, so, for the fuck it, of it. Exactly. Yeah. So my uncle like did every wedding I went to as a kid. Mm -hmm. Every you know every event he was, and then he had like a little studio in his basement with yeah, turntables yeah. and all these wires and speakers and everything. And like I thought it was the coolest shit. So ever. he just was kinda... he was bound to be a DJ just by being around. I, I guess so. I mean, yeah. I, I remember going up to him at one point. You know, when I was like 13 or 14, and I, I said, I want to learn how to do this because I thought it was the coolest stuff ever. Was, and then, and what is your pops? Was your pops with it or no? Yeah, yeah, he was he was with it. I mean, my mom was totally with it because it's my mom's brother. Right, right, right. It was, right. It was my uncle, so she's like totally used to it. My dad was also down with it too. I mean, like at that time, I never thought, no one ever thought, I don't think that it would be like anything I'd do for work. It was just a passion of mine that I, that I was into. When, and when, you, when you first started DJing, you started DJing on um, CDs, right? Yeah. So um, my uncle basically wanted to try and teach me as close as possible to like records because he was on actual vinyl back in the day. So the way he made me learn was um, he made me burn CDs and each CD had a, a maximum of five tracks on mm -hmm. it. And I had to write down the tracks on the CDs and I had a giant book of CDs that I would like, if so if I need to find a song, I'd have to be organized and like flip to it and like yeah, yeah. pull out the CD, put it in the CDJ. Uh, so that's how I learned. We those are the old school ones, right? With the, with the slide, used the, to slide out and shit? The door no? slide in and was out. It, was it uh, the, the CD? The, the DDJ 300s? I think it was the CD, CDJ 1000s maybe. I oh really? It, whatever took it, it took a CD, I know that. So it was probably okay. the 1000s. But it wasn't like a little drawer that came out, right? No, 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 no. Oh, it wasn't that old, no, no. Just, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> All right. Herbie Beats. No, I don't mean it like that. It, just, yeah. it, it didn't have a, no. So you were learning to DJ from your uncle? Yeah. So where did this kind of like, where did interest for law come into play? I, I think, um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm a child of immigrants, right? right? So my parents, any any child of immigrants knows the story. Your parents 
came to this country, busted their asses so that you could have opportunity. Right. They want right. you to go to school. They yep. want you to get a higher education, and they want you to have some type of stability, stable job. Yeah, right? yeah exactly. That's and the highest paying would be a doctor, lawyer, doctor, right. lawyer, engineer, right. that kind of thing. And to be fair, my parents were never the type who were like, "You have to be a doctor right. or a lawyer or this. Pick one." They weren't like those type of parents, but. Growing up in that community, you know, mm -hmm. immigrant community where where education is stressed really highly. My dad was like, education is number one. Education, education, education. Yeah. I'll always be behind you as long as you're pursuing you education. Right. Right? So I think I thought to myself, like, I don't want to um, take this opportunity that my parents have provided for me and, like, squander it. I don't want to, like, like do nothing with my life, you know, because they work their asses off to give me these opportunities. So I think in my own mind, I felt like I had to do something that was considered like, you know, somewhat of a higher education professional career. Right. Um, and I knew I like didn't want to be a doctor because mm. um, I don't like blood, like the insides of people's bodies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I couldn't like, that's just too much for me. I couldn't do that. Yeah. Um, I also wasn't really into math. So like, I, I, didn't, I don't know, I, I knew I didn't want to do anything like science related or engineering related. But um, I, I enjoyed writing. I enjoyed I enjoyed talking. Mm -hmm. I definitely argued a lot with my parents, and so they would always tell me when I was a kid because I was so stubborn. They'd be like, "You'd be a good lawyer," and like you know that kind of sticks right. in your head. And after a while, you're like, "Yeah, I think I could do that. I like arguing and breaking stuff down logically and piecing it together." And I think I could do that. Um, so since I was like in high school, I, I always thought to myself that I wanted to go to law school because it just seemed like something that I could that I'd be good at. So I went. It's so impressive. Yeah. It's, to me, it's really impressive because usually, like DJs, I don't know, they're all like college dropouts. Yeah, or right? never went to college. Yeah, like <laughs> I mean, I would say a lot of the DJs that I've known, especially maybe that you know that I that I looked up to, they were the college dropouts, did a ton of drugs, you know, and then like here you are, you have like so many options, and for mm -hmm. me, I'm kind of like. I, I'm I'm uh, I'm impressed, but I would like if I was if I had a law degree, I don't know if I would DJ. You know, I, <laughs> fair enough. I mean, I, for me, it was always like my family was always stressing, you know, for me to be a high achiever and like you know, yeah, yeah. as a lot of immigrant mm -hmm. families do, and they and and I always they always reinforced education, and and so I think for me it was like I had to do well. In, in education and, and in my family's eyes in order for them to be cool with me DJing. What did your parents do, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, yeah, my, my dad runs a cafe in San Francisco. Mm. Uh, before that, he was in the construction. But as a lot of immigrants do when they come here, they like buy a small business. And, right, right. You know, mm -hmm. so, and, I, and I used to work at the cafe too when I was younger, and I managed it for a couple of years after college, but um, that's what my dad does. So he doesn't have like any higher education, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and so for me though, for, for my parents to be cool with me, DJing and pursuing that kind of stuff, I had to also show them that I was like performing academically. So you were juggling both always. Yeah, and That's I always crazy. told myself that I wanted to, I never, I wanted to do both as long as I could until, until I couldn't, you know, handle both at the same time. But I never wanted to stop DJing. Yeah. So then you you kept doing, you kept juggling both, and uh, you graduated. You took the bar, you passed, mm -hmm. and you started working at a firm, or how did? No. It yeah. So um, basically, what happened was right around the time that I graduated and passed the bar was when I had enough opportunities DJ wise um, to pursue it full time. And so I decided to not work at a firm, to not take a legal job and just to full on like pursue DJing. And like, I, I figured I would try it for like six months to a year and see what happens. Okay, and so what year was this? 
2021. Last year, 2021. Yeah. Oh, two years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so, yeah. I, I guess like it's the reason I had the opportunities was because of because of the fact that I blew up on TikTok and right. Instagram that year. So, if it wasn't for the pandemic, yes. would you would you be a lawyer right now? Yes, hundred percent. Wow, that's which, so crazy. Which is, a, which is a crazy. I think about that all the time, and like. It's a it's a trip. There's so many things in my life that would have. I'm sure all of our lives that would have been different without the pandemic. It's so interesting. And were your parents understanding of that choice? Uh, yes, they were understanding of it because, like, I guess at the time I had told them that I wanted to really pursue this. I had a concrete thing in my hand, which was I had an offer um, from TikTok and SiriusXM to to do a live mix show once a week on. Uh, the new radio station that they were coming out with, which was called TikTok Radio. Mm -hmm. And it was going to be hosted on Sirius XM. And they wanted to sign me to a year-long contract um, to do once a week, like, live mix shows. And I think TikTok for my parents was, like, a little difficult to understand and, like, uh, and like hard to understand how you make money off of something like that. But when I had this, like, concrete, like, radio deal in my hands, they they, they understand what radio is. They're yeah. like, oh, cool, that's, like, a real, like, we can turn you on in the car and yeah, you'll be on the radio. Yeah. Like, so... <laughs> So that's, I think, when it started seeming like it was a real thing that I could maybe make into a career. And they were also of the attitude that, like, as long as you pay your bills and, like, make money, do whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So um, they what, were supportive of So me. when did you start uh, on TikTok? January 2021. January 2021? Yeah. So were you doing any live gigs before this? Yeah. Yeah. So all up until pandemic. Since yeah. I, so. You know, I started in high school and then I went, went to college. When I like turned 21, I started doing bars and clubs in San mm -hmm. Francisco all the time. And it was like, I did that all the time. It was super fun. And But I, it was just for fun. I never thought I would like make a career out of it. I go to law school. I keep DJing. I'm DJing around LA, you know, some spots in Hollywood, some spots in Santa Monica. Again, just for fun, like on Saturdays here and there. And um, pandemic hit. And of course, nobody's DJing, right? Mm -hmm. So then I started DJing on Twitch, uh, as did a lot of DJs right. when the pandemic hit because Twitch wasn't taking anybody down for like copyright. Like Instagram Live would take you down in two seconds. Mm -hmm. So I got on Twitch and I was DJing on Twitch like five days a week for like seven months straight. Um, and it was like a big outlet for me, you know, creatively because we we're all stuck inside. And yeah, like, yeah. I mean, the beginning of pandemic was like crazy. You know what I mean? People were just doing anything. And then that kind of got, I got burnt out on that because with Twitch, you kind of have to like be really consistent. It's like a TV show almost. It's like every week at this time and this day. And it, Yeah, it's even worse than that, right? Because you're doing production. Yeah. You're their talent. Yeah. You're, you're, every, you're everything. You're, you're editing. You're doing artwork. Yeah. Creative every, directing. Everything. Right? Responding yeah. to comments. Mediating. And like <laughs> DJing and the whole thing and um and, and it's not it's not like tv because it's like tv has seasons right yeah so there's like a break time yeah like you can never have a break you like when you take a break you lose i don't know how many subscribers or followers or whatever it's a very intensive thing if yeah. you want to really make money off of it and like do that it's intensive at, meanwhile at the same time i'm literally like finishing law school while i was doing that right so i was oh. like i think i think it came it's, to like that's crazy yeah bro. <laughs> it, it, came, it came to be um finals season for like my second to last semester in law school so it was my third year and I just had to take a break for finals and then after finals I was like I don't know if I want to go back to twitch five days a week like I'm right, right. burnt out so I decided to take like a little bit more of a break maybe a month and then I see 
And the thing with Twitch is that you have to, um, it's very long form content, right? So mm-hmm. you can't hop on Twitch for 10 minutes. Like no. you, if you're gonna hop on, you're gonna be on there for like two hours at least. Yeah. Um, and that was just too much of a time commitment, especially now I'm in my last semester of law school. I gotta like apply for jobs and figure out what I'm, study for the bar. So I downloaded TikTok and I just decided I would make some TikToks like purely as a form of creative outlet because I was just going a little stir crazy. I was like stuck in my room literally 24 seven, like Zoom law school and then like go to bed, wake up in the same room, Zoom law school. It's It's like like, hermit life, right? Yeah. (laughs) Like you're in a fucking cave, right? Yeah, I was going insane. Right. So I needed just something to like output creatively because I couldn't DJ anymore. But why, you just been hearing about TikTok, everyone like. Yeah, it, it just seemed like, I guess the feeling that I got with TikTok was like, at that time was like, you could just kind of upload whatever and it doesn't really matter. And like, cause you're not, it's not necessarily like your friends and family who are following you. It's just like kind of out there. Mm-hmm. And so I started thinking to myself like, oh, you know, all this kind of like fun DJ random stuff that I put on my Instagram stories. Yeah. I'll probably just, I'll throw that on TikTok and like just for fun. So I'll make some mashups and make some, like at first I, I put a couple videos of me like finger drumming on like an NPC and like just having fun, you know. Just. Now, now by, by this time, were there, and was there, I don't know, a presence of DJs on TikTok or anybody on TikTok? Not really or kind of? I don't really know. Um, because I'm thinking about it now, like now that when we, when we look at like DJ content on TikTok, now we know like what it is, right? Because there's like a couple formulas that worked for certain DJs. Yeah. So everyone's kind of like copying it, right? Yeah. And yeah. emulating it. So yeah. now it's like, I guess there, in the past year or so, there's been an oversaturation of it. Yeah. But 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 when you started it, there was nothing. Kind I, of. There right? might have been one or two. But one or like, two. I, right. I don't. Nothing like now. Right. Like now, like you said, it's like either you do this kind of thing. Right. Right. Or that kind of thing. Yeah. I just want to clarify because it's kind of like I want to like I want to make sure that your story is kind of organic. So it wasn't like you saw something. You're like, I'm gonna do what these DJs are doing. You were just like, I just I need to just do something. Yeah, because your content was really niche. Yeah. I think it was. I know. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, it all started like the whole like sort of blowing up process started yeah. on accident. What had happened was I, I've always been, and I think most DJs are like this, like I've always been a nerd about like samples and like the origins of music and mm-hmm. like, oh, that's a cover of this other song from da, da, da. Right. You know, and I, and I find that interesting, right? I, like whosample.com was like damn near my homepage since I was 15. You know what I mean? Like I love learning about that stuff. And I also have a younger brother, two younger brothers, but my youngest brother, who's 17, um, I taught how to DJ when he was like 14, 15. And I'm always trying to educate him on stuff because he was born in like 2006, 2004. You know what I mean? So much stuff is like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know? And, and, and so I one day was listening to um, a song by Ariana Grande called Good Night and Go, which is a great song. And it's a cover of an Imogen Heap song from 2005, I think. And... I uh, I love both songs and I I thought to myself at the time that TikTok was just a bunch of like 13 year olds which it's not now I know that but at mm-hmm. the time that's what I thought and I kind of thought about it like as if I was educating my younger brother I was like I wonder if these kids probably don't know that like their favorite Ariana song is like really just an, an old song from before they were born like right. so I'll make a little video and and I made a video that was like did you know that this song and I played it for a second is actually a cover of this other song and like played that for a second and that video went like pretty viral 
unexpectedly. Give me the numbers. Give me the numbers. I don't have the number off the top of my head, but I think I gained like 10,000 followers in a night. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Which was just like, I'd never. like. You had no other videos like that. It's just that one video. Yeah. Now, now, around this time, was it known that you can kind of blow up easier on TikTok? Or not yet? I think it was sort of known. I mean, we'd seen people like, you know, random 16-year-olds start dancing on TikTok and have 100 million followers. Like, right. We knew that was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I never expected anything from it. And I didn't think, like, I thought, I felt like this was such niche content. I was like, there's no way that this is going to gain a, you know, anything. But, um, I think it was something like 10,000 followers in a night. And meanwhile, at that time I had on Instagram, like 2000 followers, like, which is the most followers I had on any platform. (laughs) And I was like blown away. It happened in a day. And then I, then, so then I was like, okay, cool. I could do another video like that. And I think I did, I think the next one was I think it was Drake lyrics that he had taken from like this old country song from the 50s or 60s. Mm-hmm. And that blew up. And like same thing. I think I got like 10,000 or 20,000 more followers like the next day. So then I just like tripled down and I made three videos a day for two months. Holy shit. Um, <laughs> because it was work. It was working. So I was so like. You made 120 videos? Something like that. Yeah. It was, Holy shit. I mean, at this point, and I, and I I post way less often now, but that series, which which became known as. Uh, songs you probably didn't know were samples. That series at this point has over 200 videos on my TikTok, but I, I post way less these days. But um, so wait, around that time, how long did it take you to develop and then like film yourself and create a video? Each video, I don't know, 20 minutes or less. 20 minutes or less, maybe depending on how many takes I wanted to do. You know, like so you were just like, look, I'm just gonna be consistent. Yeah, and I'm just gonna stick with this formula to a day. And then you said what? Two months? Three a day. Three a day. Uh, My for, bad. No, it's so okay. Three a day. Yeah, for about two months. Wow. Uh, and in two months, I had gone to like five hundred thousand followers. Wow. Damn. Which was just like every single day, I was waking up and me and my roommates are looking at each other like, "What the fuck <laughs> is going on?" It was crazy. But we also have to explain something, right? Because we had a convers- we had a brief conversation about this. Is that your approach when you're filming, right? And your energy on camera. It's very different than a typical DJ because mm. you're like super, you're like smiling mm. and you have this very like, I don't know, like it's, I'm not trying to like downplay it, but it's like this very fun loving, goofy. Yeah. Contagious. But it's like, it's like, you know, like a goofiness, right? No, a absolutely. Little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I remember you guys talking about it on road podcast yeah. around yeah. that time because around that time when I was blowing up. I got a message or a DM from a homie of mine. He was like, <laughs> he's like, yo, these DJs are talking shit about you on the road. What did, we, what did we say? It, it, it wasn't really anything like that. It wasn't that bad. Because you were talking about me and a couple other TikTok, like DJs on TikTok right. now, and how we sometimes are making it seem like we did something really incredible on the turntable. Right, right. It was more so this one kid where he's like, pay attention. No, it was the Serato video. Yeah, it was the Serato right? video. Yeah. Yeah. And I had brought you up and I said, there's this guy, Habibi, he's mad cool. I just can't take his dancing because it's yes. just a little uncomfortable to see him, see him dance. Yeah. But um, yeah, we we weren't talking shit about you. No, 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 no. I know, I know. Just so, are kidding. you really having a good time when you was doing those videos? Though? I was, because yeah. you have to understand. At that time, I was gaining like ten thousand followers a day, dude. Like, I was just like so happy that this was working that I literally was just like having the time of my life making these videos. But the thing is, like, yeah, that's what like like you and like Nick Spinelli, right? Yeah, yeah. You guys look like you really enjoy what you're doing and you love it. Yeah. 
But when I see some of the DJs who are doing it now, it looks like they're copying your same energy, but they're really kind of miserable on in, in the <laughs> yeah. inside, right? Like they're putting. You know what front. I mean? It, it could be. I don't like know. if Neville was on camera, like dancing and like you would like, know something is wrong. <laughs> yes, that's not me. <laughs> No way no, I'm like, be doing that. When we look at the like when we look at the architect of a DJ, yeah. right? It's just like a, a coolness, like let's go all the way back. Yeah. We are far removed. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We we were not the center of attention in a crowd. Yeah. And then maybe the EDM era came in 2010. And then we used to make fun of finger hearts and all you of know, these. Right? And you know, all these oh, like you know what I mean? Shit. Yeah. Little and air then, keys. Yeah, because I mean, we're <laughs> look, me and Never from New York, right? So there's always been a sense of like uh, get on the mic and party rocking, mm-hmm. but the showmanship aspect of it all wasn't out there because we weren't really center stage that often unless it was like a big live act or you're opening up for, a, you know, like an artist, artist or something like that. You know what I mean? But as it evolved, the showmanship that you are, you had on TikTok was it, it was a different kind of showmanship. It was like more. I don't know. It's like it's like a goof. Like I don't mean I don't mean to downplay it, but it's just very like digestible. It's well, uh, it's it's it's, I, I, fun it's just it's like cute goofiness. Yeah, like, you know no, what I mean? That's a BB. I, I don't yeah. take any offense to that because yeah, yeah. I think that's accurate. Yeah, and I mean that because like I'm a goofy dude. Like I'm I have fun doing it. Right, and I, and I don't. I'm not doing anything when I'm DJing that's not for me. But there's like a security with it that I really that I admire. Yeah, because I think back in the day we all would have tried to look cool. Does that make sense? No, it does. When I even even when I first started DJing yeah. in bars and clubs, like DJs that I would DJ under or like started to meet and look up to, and who had been DJing for a while mm-hmm. would who I'd become friends with would literally look at me funny when I'd start dancing during my sets, and they'd be like, "Bro, like play like, it cool, relax, like, right? relax, <laughs> yo, take it out, yeah, yeah, no. chill out, man." No, hundred percent. Like they'd look at me. I like would, I was I would have been one of those motherfuckers that said, "Like, yo, you're dope." But just chill just with chill. all of this happy shit. <laughs> yeah, you too happy. No. Wait, <laughs> outside of your uncles, who like who did you look up to, like DJ wise? DJ wise, like other other than my uncles. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of people. I mean, I think like I kind of told you, yo, tone it down, kiddo. <laughs> this is I wonder I wonder if he'll ever hear this, but one, the one DJ I'm thinking of is his name is Marcellus Holmes. Okay. Uh, you, I'm not sure if you know him, but he was he DJed a lot in San Francisco around the time, and Celis is like fucking amazing DJ, and we'd always DJ together, and he's the epitome of what you're describing, just like cool. Right. Celis is cool, like effortlessly cool, and um, he'd always look at me like, bro, calm the fuck down, like, like you're doing too much, and and I, but then I would look at him and be like, bro, this is who I am, like, right. I'm sorry, man, I'm not here to make you happy, I'm like here to make me happy, and uh, and so that's that's just, I enjoy being that way, and I enjoy engaging with the music that way, and it's more fun for me, mm-hmm. and so when I did that on TikTok. It wasn't calculated. It wasn't like me trying to do anything. It was just, I didn't even think about it at all. And then when you guys had pointed it out, that's the first time I even thought about it. I was like, I, oh shit. I, you know what I mean? Like, I just was being myself. And, and it's easier to be yourself when you're in your bedroom alone recording a video and there's no one else around. Like, it's different. You know what I mean? Like, you really are just in your most comfortable place mm-hmm. like you're in your house like you're not in front of people like so i was just vibing out in my like and keep in mind we're stuck inside like i didn't have any outlet i was just like that was my way of like getting some creativity out um so that's that's what happened and 
I think what maybe you were alluding to earlier was that a lot of people on like in the comments and stuff liked my content for that. They, yeah. they liked it because they were like, I just, I just watched this video to see how the guy reacts at the end when he makes the transition. Like I just like to see the smile on his face or see him bounce around, right? Which I never expected, especially during that time, right? When everyone was just kind of locked in and it was just all this drama with politics and like, you know, the election and like, yep. you know, it was just like you know everything from like you know COVID non non believers, no and, toilet paper. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus it was like you know your energy was just like. It was just so, I don't know, it's like... Um, like a little sign of hope, a little little light. Appreciate that. It was it was light, yeah. It was, it was, it was light. Yeah, because it was January 2021. I think I discovered you February, probably. And honestly, like, that was... We're getting close to the year mark of COVID, and we're like, fuck, when is this over? But, yeah. But it was definitely TikTok, because I would I would go on and watch, you know, like, oh, shit. But it was, like, kid-friendly. Mm. It, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, there was an like, innocence to accessible. it. Yeah. It felt like, yeah. Because I feel like there's a lot of content that isn't, mm. like, I don't know, like, like for the general public. Like, for example, like Lizzo, to me, the genius behind, like, Lizzo's success to me is, like, that it's, like, it's very open to all ages. Mm. That everyone can kind of, like, listen to her. And it's just like it's not offensive, or it's, it's it's not a little too edgy or risque or anything like that. Mm. So I thought it was like what what you were doing was like perfect, and it was at the right time. I mean, so much so that Alicia Keys reposted you. That was crazy. Yeah, I almost cried when I saw that. <laughs> really? no, legit, legit. Uh, well, I didn't even know this really. Yeah, I I made a, a video breaking down one of her samples, and she duetted it. So she was like. You know, it's like half the screen was her and half was my video. Uh -huh. And she was like, she like watched my video. Shit. And she was like, yeah, yeah. And then she started singing along. Yeah. And she posted that on her TikTok. And it was like the craziest thing for me to see that. Wow. So as as this is all going, this is all happening, were you showing your, your family, your parents, were they understanding like, because you have like almost a million followers on TikTok right yeah, now. Yeah. Which is crazy. I know. It's, it's crazy. It's insane. <laughs> and <I> so, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> he can't believe it. It's like, what the fuck? I literally can't. Like, I, I want to talk about a couple of things. But, like, when you're showing your family, yeah. right? Are they kind of, reg is this registering or not really? No, for sure. They, they, they're understanding, like, I think more so my dad was, like, a little bit confused on even what TikTok was. But, mm -hmm. like, now he totally gets it. But at the time, it was brand new to him. Right. So, he was like, okay. Um, but, yeah, no, they, every day. Like my mom would always text me. She'd be like, "Oh, the comments are so nice on this video. They really like you." I mean, yeah. you know, she was so happy. She was just like, she liked reading the positive comments, and she was. I think she felt very proud. So, the, so the one thing when this was happening that I was actually very curious about when it was happening, I was like, "Where does this lead?" You know, like I think that was. Did you have that in the back of your head a little bit? A hundred percent. Yeah, because it was like, "Am I just gonna continue to make TikTok videos for like the next ten years?" Do you know what I'm saying? Like Totally, yeah. And so the thing with, like, at first I was thinking to myself, like, uh, this is cool, but, like, I don't really know what to do with it. Like, because at, at that point I wasn't really making any money off of it or monetizing it in any way. I wasn't, like, no real opportunities had come my way yet because it was, everything was still closed. It was, like, pandemic right. still. So I was like, this is cool, but I don't think I want to attempt to make this, like, a career because I don't really have an interest in like being a 
TikToker when I'm 40 or whatever. You know what I mean? Like this is only lasts so long, right? This is like a fleeting thing, mm-hmm. or at least it can be. And I, I recognize like how many people have we seen get viral success and all of a sudden become irrelevant. Well, that was the whole thing is like during this time you had like the guy who with the Fleetwood Mac on the skateboard with the cranberry juice, yeah. dog yeah. face, right? Mm-hmm. Dog face. Yeah, yeah, dog face. And then like I think what he get like a some type of sponsorship with yeah, from Ocean, Ocean Spray. Spray. Yeah. Right. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then like a year later, he was in jail or some shit. I don't know. He got arrested. <laughs> no, Recently, like, last year, he was in, got arrested. <laughs> right, don't do that to him. He's not no, no. in jail. But he I'm is saying, in jail. He got arrested. Uh, yeah. He got arrested for weed possession. He got out. It's not that. Hey, he got arrested, right? <laughs> he didn't go in for some tough time. No, no. But just like, we don't know where this goes, right? Totally. And, and, and it's one of those things where it's like, when you're making all this noise, too, you're you're kind of almost waiting for the opportunities to come knocking, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I would think that some night, like some Vegas nightclub, would have ate you, or or somebody would hit you, but it, it just didn't translate that way, right? Not at, not at first, definitely not at first. I mean, like that's the thing. At first, I was like, "This is cool," but like, I don't really see how to make this into anything. So, I'm gonna still stick to the plan, become a lawyer, and like maybe I'll post some videos every. Really, now you still thought? Uh, Fuck! I'll just still become a lawyer. At that time, yeah, because I, I just didn't believe it. I was like, "What am I gonna throw away like three years of law school because I got some random like quick virality in a couple months?" Like, I just didn't know what to do with that. You know what I mean? Like, Were you also kind of scared that this might be like this isn't really tangible? Totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I was thinking to myself like, I I don't know. It was just the it was just brand new, and it was this could so, be a phase. This could be a trend, and it could as soon as they as quick as it came, it could just leave. Right? Exactly, mm-hmm. and right. like again, I have like I think a lot of like mentors and people I look up to in my life, and like one of my uncles told me the same thing when it happened. He's like, "Look, this could go away just as fast as it came. So like, don't get too like caught up in all of this. Like, focus on your studies, do what you got to do. Like, mm. you know. And so thankfully, I have people in my life that are always steering me clear or steering me the right way. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just didn't. I didn't. It seemed so risky and so like unstable. I wasn't sure what to do with any of it. But then slowly but surely, I began getting like different opportunities to monetize it. Whether that was like the biggest one was when TikTok reached out and was like, "We want you to DJ TikTok radio once a week." That was like a real tangible big one. But I'd get hit up from like record labels and they would be like we have a song coming out that samples this other song can you make a video about mm, it right wow. and like we'll pay you right pay Wait, no how, how much was that if you don't mind me asking at, we can bleep it at no. first it was like mm. they but like you know for a small time artist or whatever and then it got to the point where it was like the the tough thing with that is a a lot of record labels and digital marketing arms of record labels don't seem to have much of a budget for that kind of stuff because it's just so like, it's not like you're putting a giant billboard in the middle of LA. It's like such a hit or miss like thing. Mm-hmm. So they don't have a huge budget for it. And the other thing is like the music is like, I could have, I got a lot of offers, but I turned a lot of them down because as a DJ, what's our number one asset? Our taste, right? Right. So I was like, I'm not gonna about to just like randomly sell out for all these on these songs that I don't even like <laughs> and start just posting just to I make I mean, like, even if the bag was bigger than what they was offering you, you wouldn't have done it? No. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> no, no, I'm serious. Everything <laughs> has a price. Think about it. Needs. I mean, think about it. Like a song that you think is trash and you're going to try and act like it's. You a know great how song. many Damn. bad songs we play every night? I know. I don't play bad songs. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fucking sellout. Yeah, we're definitely we're, we're hoes. Out here. 
<laughs> I don't know. It just, especially because it seemed like, you know, I was building a brand and mm -hmm. part of that brand is my taste. Mm -hmm. And I'm not about to just start promoting stuff that I, like I got, I remember I got hit up by a skincare brand and they wanted me to like do my, do a video about my morning skincare routine using their whatever. And I like, I was like, this is so far off from what I do, like content wise. They wanted me to make a video like in the bathroom, in the mirror, like first I do this and like, yeah. and they wanted to pay me like I said no. Because oh, I was man. like, this is you so... You have good skin, though, bro. You should have done it. <laughs> take that, right? It yeah. So, but it was so... Hey, look not... at D-Miles' face. He's like, I, I would have <laughs> definitely done that. <laughs> I did it. Yeah, that's <laughs> four thousand, baby. Me and Neville were sell, selling beard oil. I know, right? Exactly. Was, <laughs> nah, beard oil, beard oil was is different. Naked, beard oil is naked different. Naked in the tub doing the fucking video. <laughs> Talking about, yeah, I love that beard oil. Yeah. Who made y'all do that? <laughs> I wonder who. It's smooth. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I forgot about you that. What's up, my Mexican brother? <laughs> those are those are low, those are low times. <laughs> oh, oh man. man! All right, so no skincare shit. No, no skin. <laughs> Sorry, Dub. I'm not mad at that. All right. I oh, mean, the, I guess the point is, is like you have to filter out. I think it's important to know when to say yes to things, and it's almost more important to know when to say no to things. Mm -hmm. Like. Because you can't sell out the whole thing that is the reason for your success, which at that point was my brand, right? My, like, identity. And so it's hard to accept. It's also hard to accept too many of these sponsorship things because all of a sudden my feed becomes ads, 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 ads. And I don't want my feed to just be a bunch of sponsored ads. Yeah. You know? So. Did you follow, in your, well, go ahead. I said, did you take any ads? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but when I say ads, I mean anything paid for, even even something from a label, right? Like, um, but I have done ads. I've done, I did an ad with Denny's. I how, did much, a, how much is that check? I can't disclose that information. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, oh, <laughs> but uh, but that one was cool because it it. Did you actually like Denny's? Yeah, I love Denny's. I love Denny's. <laughs> Before the check or after? <laughs> <laughs> <a> grand Slam. <laughs> Both. Um, but 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 my point is like that one was cool because it actually leaned into what it is that I do, mm -hmm. and it wasn't just like me randomly being like, "I love Denny's." Like what they asked me to do was they sent me a bunch of um, samples of sounds from the kitchen. So it was like eggs cracking and whisks whisking and spatulas hitting and stuff. And they wanted me to make a beat out of the kitchen noises, which was like a fun DJ related, producer related way of doing that. Um, and I made this hard ass like trapped out beat out of Denny's kitchen noises, which was really fun. But it'd be completely different if they wanted me to like, I don't know, do a, you know what I mean? Unrelated thing that has nothing to do with right, what right. I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I so. mean, you you know what aligns with your, you know, you, you're creating your own content mm. from scratch, so you know what aligns and what doesn't, you totally. know what I mean? Totally. Yeah, so that makes sense. Yeah. So at this point, you're doing TikTok radio, mm -hmm. and then are, are you getting any, like, you know, are you getting any offers for actual, like, events or anything? Yeah, yeah, so I think around, so around the time that I graduated and everything, took the bar and whatnot, I'm doing TikTok radio, and that's right around the time that the world started like reopening. We right. all got vaccinated, like summer of 2021. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I started getting um, more offers to just generally be booked. Like um, I got booked out at like um, um, HQ2 in Atlantic City, hit me up because they had heard me on TikTok radio. And I think some of those guys are affiliated with uh, the Pitbull um, 
the global globalization. globalization. Mm -hmm. And so they had heard me on TikTok radio and like, um, I think reached out through Edwin. Um, and like, so that's how I got. Uh, Phenom, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that's how I got booked at, at HQ2, um, which was cool because that was like my first ever like hotel, casino, club. I'd never, like a Vegas style club. Right, right. I'd never done wow. anything like that. Yeah, H2Q um, is like a, a big mega club in Atlantic yeah. City. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so that was a direct result of like me being on TikTok radio. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I got to hit up a ton for people's weddings, which yeah. was. Which like I was going to say, like I started noticing when I was following you on Instagram, I started noticing you were doing a lot of private events. Yeah, I was doing, I, I, I tend to do less now. Um, yeah. especially weddings I tend not to do just because personally I don't like doing them mm -hmm. really unless it's like a really close friend or family member. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure a lot of DJs probably feel the same about weddings um, or a lot of club DJs probably feel the same about weddings. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you don't. Maybe you love them. I don't know. Well, no, no, because I was, I was curious when I was like, all right, he's got this TikTok fame. I wanted to kind of see where it translated. Yeah. And I was like, is it going to be nightclubs? Is it going to be private events is it going to be corporate events what is it going to be you know Cor corporate events was another yeah. one um yeah corporate events was another one i literally got to go with tiktok to um to this uh basically this giant conference that happens in Cannes uh, in france where they do like the Cannes film festival except it's a different if it's it's a different conference for advertising agencies and marketing agencies it's called the Cannes international festival of creativity um and Basically, it's like it's on the beach for a week, and it's this giant like networking event and industry event, and and all the big media agencies are there, and Instagram's there, Facebook's there, all these big companies, and it was TikTok's first time going, so they brought me with them to DJ one of the parties they were throwing, and to and to speak on a panel to a bunch of ad agency people about like how do you work with TikTokers to to make ads successfully. Um, which was really cool because that was like my first big corporate event. Mm -hmm. um, so different doors started opening up, different um, different either sponsored posts with brands. I got hit up by like you know I've done stuff with Pioneer and Serato and all all the DJ brands, um, which was cool. And it just different avenues started opening up, and then I I started you know being able to like get booked a little more. And um, yeah, I don't know. Everything just kind of opened up a little bit slowly but surely. And so, like, recently, in the past, I don't know, six months or so, you started your own party. Yeah, four months, right? four months ago. Four months ago, right? Yeah. yeah. It's uh, Habibi's house. Yeah. Uh, I, wa I want to know more about this. Yeah, so. Because uh, I thought this was, like, I didn't see this coming, but I saw it as a viable option for you when I, when I saw you kind of blowing up early on. Mm. I was wondering how many of your followers on TikTok would translate to you being able to support your own party or your own event. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. I was wondering the same thing. Right. And it's a scary thing because mm -hmm. like, you know, you have a following and if you put on an event and no one shows up, then it's like, what's the point of this following if people don't? Well, yeah, because it's one of the things that I saw, and I think we saw some of this in Twitch, right? Yeah. Is that a Twitch following is completely different mm. from a live event following. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right? Absolutely. From like a nightclub or a bar following. Because the majority of those that following, are, they're very comfortable with being in their home. So uh -huh. actually, yeah. actually, they don't go out. To go actually have them go out, uh, spend money on like a hard ticket, you know, that's a whole different thing, right? Exactly. Uh, and I was curious about the same thing with TikTok, right? Especially because 
the nature of going viral on a platform like TikTok is that it's around the world and it's all ages. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how much of my, like a lot of my following might not be 21 and the vast majority of my following definitely doesn't live in LA, right? It's spread across the world, right? Mm -hmm. Wherever those, wherever people are. And so um, I always wanted to, to have my own event um, because I personally just kind of felt like I've been DJing since I was like 13, 14, right? So I've done the sort of bottle service club, top 40 party rocking sets time and time and time again. And personally just felt a little burnt out on that. And, and I felt like there were so many other niches of music that I wanted to get into, but I could never play mm -hmm. at those kinds of events. So I always wanted to do my own event, but it was scary to actually take that step because it's a lot of work and you don't know how it's going to turn out. And long story short, I I got um, hit up by the owner of uh, Melrose House, who is the is the bar that I do it at right now. And he, because um, he had seen me play there for a different party, a party called No Nuzzer, which shout out No Nuzzer, they're an amazing party here in LA. Kind of like a world music party that has an emphasis on Indian music, but in like remixes and stuff, like Indian and Afro beats and I'm a piano and it's, it's really fun. Mm -hmm. um, I played for them at his bar and, and he, he loved my set and he was a fan of mine. So he hit me up one day on like a Wednesday and he said, uh, hey, I don't have any parties booked for this Sunday uh, day during the day if you want to try and throw something and I was like that's pretty short notice like three four days I had to book some DJs and get the word out and all that stuff and so I wasn't sure I could do it but I talked to a friend who convinced me to do it um, he just said if you got an opportunity you have to go for it sometimes um, and so I went for it and I think probably 80 people showed up um, which it's not a giant space, so it was like it felt like there was a decent amount of people there, but it definitely was not full. The place probably holds about four hundred. You brought specifically eighty people. Yeah. Wow. And that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> 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 I mean, that's a that's a not good bad turnout. at all, man. But the first one on short notice for less not than at all. Yeah, for yeah. less than a week's notice. I, pre I appreciate it. I, I was really happy with the turnout, and everyone who did come had a really good time. They were there to like dance, have fun. They mm -hmm. weren't like there to stand around and be cool and have bottle service. Like they wanted to just have a good time, and they had a great time. And um, and then did you these eighty people that showed up? Right. Mm -hmm. So you got this is like kind of your first look at like your real life following, right? Kind of your fans showing up for you. It was my, yeah, cause it was the, I'd obviously DJed before then, like in public post following. Right. But this was the first time I had branded a party with like my name and brand. And your core following, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, did you notice like what, like how old they were? Like what, what, what was the age group? You know, like, like you know, like was it was it more guys? Was it more women? Was it you know? Was it diverse? Yeah, I would say it was mostly people in their twenties, mm -hmm. um, like mid to late twenties. And that first party, funny enough, was like ninety percent women, which was which I was oh, not mad about. Happy. That's amazing. <laughs> it, was, it was all girls. That's very fortunate. I don't know how it happened, but that's every DJ and promoter's dream, right? In the club, um, and so. And, and it was, was it was it pretty diverse? I'd say it was pretty diverse. It probably leaned, especially because the name is Habibi's house. Like it leaned Middle Eastern. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I say it was pretty diverse. What, sure. What's your background? So I'm Palestinian. Palestinian. Yeah. Wow. Which is just a, a, a type of Arab, right? Yeah. So it was like mostly Arabs that came, 
but um, definitely different types of people too. It was definitely like a diverse crowd. And now, did you know what you were gonna play, or were you just gonna kind of feel it out and see what was gonna what was gonna happen? I had an idea of what I was gonna play. I, I've never pre-planned sets. I always just go in with like a loose idea of maybe what I might want to do, and then just read the crowd. Right. But um, I had an idea, but it ended up being that the people who came really were loving the Arabic music that I was playing. So I leaned more into that than I expected that I was going to. I thought I was gonna play a more sort of diverse set, a little bit of reggaeton, a little bit of I'm a piano, right. a little bit of hip hop, you know, mix it up with like a sprinkle of Arabic, but they really love the Arabic music. I think because they've never heard Arabic music in a club context. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it went so unexpectedly well in that way, so then I leaned more into that, and my set ended up being way more Arabic music than I expected. I'll be honest with you, like, when I started seeing recap videos and like, you know, like just reposted videos of, of your event, I was like, this is amazing, and this reminds me of MoMA mm. and his everyday people and his early parties when he was promoting and he had a heavy African following and it was so unique yeah. because they couldn't find that music anywhere in New York. Yeah. And then they had a DJ that represented them Yeah, and you know, they were following him. So like in 20 years, what everyday people is now, you know, he was developing that since the early 2000s. That's crazy. I didn't realize everyday people was around that long, or at least that MoMA was kind of well, yeah. fostering that that long. MoMA's has an interesting story because, like, you know, we, we kind of came up in the same realm, mm. but at the time I was doing bottle service clubs, and for him he thought, you know, he's like, well, if, if I want to be a successful DJ, I have to do bottle service. But then his people couldn't get into the clubs because mm. obviously the door people were kind of racist, mm. right? So this, so then he had to make a decision on, you know, am I going to do this, these type of clubs that aren't going to let my people in? Mm. So he made a conscious decision not to do that and to start his own parties and to focus more on that. Mm. So in, in the span of 15 to 20 years, this is what you've seen everyday people become. And it's fantastic. It's I fantastic. Mean, it's like and so crazy. when when I see you, I'm like, this is. I feel that same energy. I appreciate I'm, that. I'm looking at it. You know what I mean. So I think I was like, I was very like early on. I was like, where is this going to go, and where is he going to take this? And now where I'm seeing what you're doing with Habibi's house, I'm like, oh wow, this is really amazing. Thank you. And man. organic. Thank you, man. It, that means the world to me. I appreciate it. No, no, I think it's it's insane because I've never really I've never seen that representation. You know, I've, I haven't seen that kind of um, anywhere. Neither have I. Right. And like the thing about the thing about it is, I wasn't even like, I never thought that that I never even considered it until I saw another DJ, a good friend of mine named Omar. Um, so he's one of the founders of that party I told you about, No Nuzer, the mm -hmm. Indian party. I booked him for an event I was throwing, like a non-Arab event a while ago, just like at a club. I booked him because I heard he was a really solid DJ and he played a set of like, it's just, he makes his own edits and they're all like Bollywood meets Afro beats meets I'm a piano meets Brazilian funk and it was like the coolest set and out of nowhere at the end of the set he dropped an Arabic song, like not even an edit or a remix, just like a standard raw air, the original version of a of a classic song that you hear at like weddings and stuff and i can't remember what song it was but i remember thinking to myself this is crazy because and everyone loved it 
And I was like, how is this guy playing Arabic music in the club before I've ever played Arabic music in the club? Mm. I've never played Arabic music in the club. Right. Because I always thought to myself that I've played it a ton at weddings, but never at the club. Like those are two separate sides of me. So that kind of inspired me to think differently about it. Mm -hmm. And when I got booked to play his party was the first time that I combined sort of my club, club rocking, party rocking type of set with the cultural background of the Arabic music that I grew up with. Right. And that set was like, I don't know, it just felt like the truest form of myself, which was really cool. And that was kind of the inception of like what type of party I wanted Habibi's house to be. Did you have that aha moment when it was happening? <laughs> I, kind I, of inside? Yeah, I had, think I had the aha moment for that entire set. Wow. It was like a really, it was like a, out of body experience in certain ways because yeah, I, yeah. I just never thought that I would be putting these worlds together, especially as a younger DJ. Because I just thought, like, there's no way like American, like, non Arab people are gonna find like this cool, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. So, I mean, I think it's it's funny because, like, you know, like, you know, growing up, my, my parents, my mom was an immigrant, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, when I grew up, I was just I don't know, it's kind of like you want to suppress, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Your heritage sure. a little bit for and sure. fit in, right? For sure. So like even our names, like my name, like Richard, like my, you know, like let's just try to fit in as much as possible so we don't like rock the boat, mm -hmm. you know? And then it's, but it's, it's just interesting when you realize like, holy shit, I can like kind of show a little bit more of myself and my culture and, you know, like, and people are fucking with it. Yeah. Oh my God, it was like a crazy feeling to realize that. Yeah. And so then I did it again at that first Habibi's house where there's yeah. like this, uh, 80 people showed up and they kind of did that same thing where I leaned heavy into my, my culture and stuff and they and it went really well. Mm. And I had a couple like sort of good videos from that party and from the set I played at No Nuzzer, the Indian party. And those videos I used as promo for the next Habibi's house. Right. And a couple of those videos went viral. And so first party, we sold 80 tickets. Second one, we sold 320. Wow. wow. And crazy. so then that one went crazy. And I made sure that I got like a photographer, videographer and stuff for that one. Yeah, yeah. Got some good content, posted for promo for the next one. And then the third one sold out. And then the fourth one, which was just a week or so ago, sold out. Wow. And the next one, yeah, the next one is in a couple weeks. So you do it once a month. Yep. Nice. And you sell out your pre-sale tickets, right? You yeah. Be, I remember you started with twenty-five pre-sales, and then yeah. fifty, and now it's a hundred. Now it's selling out quick. Yeah. Now it's a hundred pre-sales. So the the last party I did, I did the first hundred tickets were the pre-sale. They were like ten bucks a piece, and the hundred first hundred sold out in twelve hours for the last one. For this one, the first hundred sold out in one hour, wow. which was like mind blowing to me. I was I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is crazy. Damn, man. But wow. I do want to point out that you've been thinking of throwing your own party and event for quite some time. Because me, you spoke, I think, in Arizona at, at uh, Beyond the Music. And you're like, yo, I'm trying to find a venue, this, that, and the third. And you were calling venues, like cold calling. And I'm like, dude, just show up. And you're like, all right, fuck it. And then you, that's when you're like, yo, I think I found a place. 
because you it took you a minute to find a, a a venue to just even throw your own shit. Yeah, that too. I mean, it had to be the right venue with the right you know the right size, the right feel, the right space, the right energy. But I definitely have been thinking about throwing my own party for a while. But yeah. again, it's like scary to slap your name on something because you don't want it to fail. And then you were looking at places like Santa Monica downtown. Yeah, all over. So yeah, all over the place. Just trying to figure it out. But uh, it's like the perfect. Uh, it's like everything. It's like the perfect formula recipe that you couldn't even force yeah the stars aligned because it's like this venue already had kind of a history mm-hmm. of like these indian parties right mm-hmm. and then at this indian party you're you're seeing arabic music uh, being played for the first time yeah and it's just like all of this shit just happens organically mm-hmm. super organic you can't even write it like that no it's crazy point. Yeah, the other party you're like the luckiest guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know he, what i mean he's definitely he was, one of the luckiest yeah, guys because he was he was looking for a venue for like three months <laughs> Like it was Santa Monica, and then you're like, "Yo, Glendale," and then I'm like, and then this is just falls in his lap. Yeah, it, it just worked out. I mean, uh, I, yeah, I feel very lucky. I feel very blessed. I'm very right. grateful every day that it that it worked out this way. Um, the but, other the yeah. other party that happens there too often is um, I think it's called Afro Beats to the World. It's it's run by a DJ named Black Pages, mm-hmm. uh, and that's another like. I guess the space has a lot of like different cultural identity parties, which is which, which is, is great. It's just great. It lends itself well because you're you're taking everything yeah. and you're putting it all together. Totally. So around this time in the last like I don't know four four months or so, I noticed you were kind of doing more production. Yeah. With more Arabic music and yeah. and, and messing around with um, mixing it with Ama Piano, you know. Yeah. Uh, and but I thought it was great. Because I didn't really see that production side early on. Yeah. So, but you always had a little bit of a production side in yeah, the beginning. Yeah, yeah, totally. So I went in college. And it wasn't just for the Denny's. No. Ad, right? yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, in college, I my like, you know, pipe dream in college was to be a producer. Like I wanted to be, it's like what I thought, like I, I would make beats in college and upload them to SoundCloud and mm-hmm. and enter into like remix contests and stuff like that. Just on the off chance, like maybe something will hit and then I, could, I don't have to go to law school and I'll be a producer. But I never thought it would actually work out. Um, and then when I kind of gained this virality and the following and stuff, one of the things my uncle impressed upon me very quickly was, um, he said, you know, he's like, I've worked with a lot of DJs in my time and I've been in the industry forever. And this kind of thing can be very fleeting, um, especially with your viral stuff. So he's like, what you should do is use this as a springboard to get more long lasting um, success and long last stuff that has legs to kind of go a little further. So he's like, you need to focus on producing because mm-hmm. producing is where it's at. That's how you're going to really last in the industry. And it's funny because I always wanted to do that since since college, but I never really thought about it again. And then I started thinking about it again. Um, so then I started um, I started putting out like edits and remixes and stuff on SoundCloud, which have gained a good amount of traction now. Mm-hmm. Um, and opened this different lane into like, like uh, you know, remixes of Arabic songs in baile funk, Brazilian style, or like, Bollywood songs and I'm a piano style or whatever it might be and that's the kind of stuff that I love playing at the party So it feeds into that as well. I have to admit. I'm very ignorant when it comes to Arabic music No problem. And I would say my I'm probably just as ignorant about Indian music Right. I mean like when we think of Indian music, we think of Punjabi MC, right? Yeah, automatically, right? Mm-hmm. And there might be like a sprinkling of like with the Jay-Z remix. like yeah, like maybe three or four songs that we play Yeah you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
So like, what what is like? I don't know. Can you give me like three or five Arabic songs, which are like the biggest Arabic songs that we would know that that, that we, you would know? No, no, no. I'm sorry. Before he give us his the top songs, there's one song I always get a request for all the time, and I always get paid at least three hundred dollars for this request. <laughs> really? Um, Super Saco. So who's it by? Super Saco. That's the name of the artist by um, <laughs> me 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 Ghana. Oh, it, it I, sounds like in the club. I've heard that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that I've heard. It's a newer song. Yeah, it's a newer song. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely not one of the like classic okay, wedding right. songs or okay, something you'd right. hear. Like, but wait, no, what I, do you mean you making three hundred dollars every time? Yeah, they're cool. Guys come up to me. They're like, "Yo, can you play this?" And they throw hundred dollar bills to me. Yo, can you play this, please, please? I want to hear this. And girls are like, "I want to hear this." And I'm like, "All right." Cool. So the first time you got. These, these tips did you you didn't have the song right no I downloaded it the first time I heard where'd it. you download it from iTunes iTunes yeah and so you you played it I played it and like every time I do a certain venue always did somebody did wait was this the one time where you said you made like 2500 in one night no that was something else okay right. <laughs> <laughs> but still I, every time I play this song I always make at least three three to five hundred dollars a night wow from this was one this, song was it at Delilah's Yes, it was. The lot of I got I got requested for the same exact song. Whoa. They have a huge Indian following that goes there and eats. Yeah, and they just stay and party. Yeah, Whoa. yeah. And this is an Indian song, though, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, this is an Indian song. I thought it was an I'm, Arab an Arabic song. I'm, I gotta I'm, hear. I'm, it. I'm ignorant. He's Armenian. This yeah. is Armenian. He's Armenian. <laughs> yeah, I have heard of this dude. Yeah, yeah. Drake has a very strong Armenian base fan fan base. So no wonder they're going to Delilah's all the time. You said Drake has a yeah. He has a, just a strong brown fan base. Yeah, anyone Arab, strong, Indian, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we all love him. All right, so the song was uploaded on YouTube in 2016, and without a release, official release or music video, it's become a huge hit in Armenia, um, Turkey, and some Arab countries. Hmm. Okay. So I think it just kind of spread mm-hmm. in the Middle East, right? Yeah. I guess I don't. I, yeah, I don't you know. never heard that I'm, song. I've, I've heard it once, maybe it sounds kind of familiar, but again, it's it's Armenian. It's not it's not Arabic. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've heard I've heard of the guy. Maybe heard the song once. Hmm. So, so wait, wait. So uh, is there any Arabic songs like maybe the top three? Yeah, the top three biggest songs that can kind of uh, give us an idea of the sound that you're talking about. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean the sound that I play, or just the top three kind of Arabic songs that people. I mean, know. like educate. I, I well, yeah. we don't know. You like know the what DMX I mean? party up in here. What's that? What are we uh, dropping? Okay, so well, there's the, probably okay. a, there's look if he if he's doing weddings, it's probably like no, but you know it, what I mean. You know what I mean. Like no, but it's like, so, no, no, yeah. but there's it's it, there's different like age groups. So there's probably like a to be to be real Sherilyn. Yeah. Kind of, you know, uh, Arabic yeah. we, are fam- we are family. Yeah, yeah, versus like a party up. DMX is kind so, of new. You so know? The, yeah. the, one of the biggest, and it's going to vary by region. The other okay. thing about the Middle East too is like, it's the Arabic speaking countries. There's a lot of them, mm-hmm. and they all have different dialects and different culture, you know, nuances and right. different things. Where I'm from, where, where my family's from, where we, what I grew up around, one of the biggest songs for any party is called El Tanura by Fedez Karam. <laughs> And that's like it's a you have to play it at every 
party. It's just one of the staples. And it's it's usually a song that people depke to. Depke is a, is a style of Arabic dancing. Mm. You ever seen the videos of people holding hands and like the guy in the front's doing all the big jumping and stuff like that? If you've yeah. ever seen that, that's Depke. Um, so Depke is a style of Arabic like line dancing basically. And Tanura is one of the biggest songs, classic songs for dancing to that, like that. So that's a huge one. You've got kind of your biggest like almost R&B like sing-along song that mm-hmm. everybody knows. It's called Nur al by Amr Diab. That's like every Arab's like born knowing that song. Another huge Middle Eastern artist, Arabic artist, is Nancy Ashram. Pretty much like anything by Nancy Ezraim is huge. Um, her one of her biggest songs probably, and one that I remixed is called Ya Tub Tub. Um, Nancy Ajram is like I'm trying to equate her she's like almost like she's maybe like the Cecilia uh, uh, Selena no Cecilia Cruz uh, oh Celia Cruz Celia. maybe she's almost she's like, like Celia she's Cruz, almost right? like like Rihanna Arita, Arita or, Franklin? Be- or Beyonce <laughs> oh she's, okay. she's, she's, she's like she's, Madonna she's oh like a, okay top tier cause she came out like her biggest hits were I think like late 90s or maybe early 2000s and she's still around today for sure but like she was like yeah, she's kind of like Beyonce of the Arabic world. Is this wow. the song you remixed that kind of went viral? That yeah. Like, okay, yeah. so he did a remix to a song. I wanted to ask him, what was the name of the song that he remixed? Because it kind of went everywhere. So the remix, yeah, the remix, the song is called Ya Tub Tub uh-huh. by Nancy Ajram. And I did the remix in a baile funk, like Brazilian funk style. And the second drop is a Jersey Club drop. Is, is there any other producers or DJs that are remixing Arabic music like there's this? a couple, there's a couple. Um, but it's not very many. It's yeah. very niche. It's it's niche, and I'm seeing more and more of it, which right. I'm, which I'm stoked about because it gives me more stuff to play. Right. Um, but it feels like n- not very many. No. Yeah. Do you feel like you're creating a movement? I think a little bit. A little I, bit. I, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I struggle to say st- stuff like that because I don't want to sound arrogant or sound like too full of myself or something like that. But, but I said it, so it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> but that's what I'm it. asking you. But know no, I, mean? I feel like in ways I am, yeah. Right. Yeah, which is really, really cool and really like, I don't know, I feel like there are guys that are guys and girls, just producers I looked up to when I was in high school and college who were doing stuff on SoundCloud that was like never before. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you guys got like Sango and... Um, I'm blanking right now, but like any kind of like, um, like Falcons, um, who throws the Pangea party, these producers who are on SoundCloud who are making these cool edits that we'd never heard anything like that before right. when I was in college and stuff. I feel a little bit like I'm doing that for this scene, which is cool. Um, I think it's great. Thanks, man. Because we're it's talking really, about it yeah. right now, yeah. you know, oh, on crazy. this podcast. And I would, and this is something I'm completely ignorant about. Unfair. You know, you know what I'm saying? It, 
I and I find it intriguing. And one of the reasons why I find it really, really intriguing is that when I do watch your recap videos on Instagram and when I do hear what you're playing, it sounds fucking good. Thanks, man. Mm -hmm. Yo, by you know the way, the I mean? last um, video you posted was fucking dope, man. You, you mixed it up like Arabic music, current hip hop. Right. It was just a little bit of everything. Yeah, it, I don't know it, which video you're talking about. The but last one you posted recently, most recent video you posted, it was like an hour set. I think I saw it on YouTube. Oh, the, that whole set? That was the set that I did at No Nuzzer. That was oh, that's, that's the one that inspired you. Yeah, that was like the moment. That set, it's all on video. Well, that set was fucking dope, man. <laughs> Thanks, man. I yeah. appreciate that. It's, it's dope because it's like, it sounds great, and we're seeing a crowd reaction to it. And as DJs, we're kind of like, wait, we're missing something. Because mm -hmm. I don't have the song. Yeah. And then people are wilding out to the shit. You feel out of the I loop. need to get the shit, and it sounds good. The energy was crazy. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was out of control. I'm, I'm telling you right now, like... What you're doing is very special. Thank you. Because I've never seen it before in my life. Thank you, bro. I really appreciate it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think it's so important because it's like, you know, I, I'm so ignorant about it, but I'm so intrigued and I want to know more about it. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, that makes me happy that you're interested. You know what I mean? The but fact it, that it's catching yeah. interest and people are like, it peaks people's interest and they're like, what is this? But I think you're doing it great because you're, you're mixing it up. With I'm a piano, yeah. you know, you're doing all these very creative things, and it sounds it's, fucking. It's like good. something I've never heard before. Yeah, dude, that means the world to me. Yeah, because I, I think like I always pride myself. I think most DJs do as well, but I always like pride myself on song selection and like like musical knowledge, mm -hmm. right? And and coming coming out with stuff in my set or coming up with stuff that people are like, "What is this? Like, how? What? You know, they come up to you and they're like, "What are you doing? Or what? What? And that's like. To be able to make other DJs have that feeling is like a really, really good feeling for me right. because I feel like I'm doing something right. These edits that you're creating, right? Are they available on Bandcamp or uh, where? SoundCloud? SoundCloud. Yeah, and they're all free. Free downloads. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You gotta wow. start slanging them things, man. Put put a dollar amount on it. I, I honestly, my my, I mean, you might be right, but my my. Uh, after I downloaded them, then you go. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, think, I think it's important to get it out there. My, that's yeah. my philosophy. Yeah. My philosophy is just like I want everyone to have it, right. and I want it to be played as because now I get tagged in videos from Bangladesh, Brazil, mm. uh, Turkey, Russia, wherever of DJs playing my edits. And they tag me on Instagram, and they're like, the crowd's going crazy to my edit. And I'm like, this is exactly what I want. I'm like, more, get it out. I want more people to have it. It's insane. I think it's, it's just only a matter of time before, you know, if I, if I worked at a label, I'd approach you. Yeah. And I, I'd, I'd think about putting together a compilation album or something mm -hmm. together. Because I think what you're doing is... It's great. Thank you, man. That great. that that remix I put out, the, the Tub Tub one by Nancy Ashram, I put out, like, a video basically of the sound on TikTok. And you know, on TikTok, you can take a sound and use it to make your video, Yeah. right? So my remix, Last I Checked, has over 25,000 videos mm. made with the sound. Jesus. Which wow. is crazy. And then like, uh, DJ Snake DM'd me and was like, bro, I love your remix. Uh, wow, <laughs> Damn, like, that's sick. I was like, what? Uh, I was like, what's your email? Let me send it to you. And I sent it to him. And that's like, dope. that's just like, it blew my mind. Like that the internet has the ability to get you in front of people like that if you put out good product. And you're yeah. not signed to nobody, no agency, no nothing. No agency, no manager, no nothing. For Habibi's house, did you feel comfortable having guest DJs or do you want to just continue to develop your, the sound on your own and continue to DJ the party yourself and, I, 
and grow it that way? That's a good question. I actually always have guest DJs. I've never done one that's just me. Mm. Um, because the idea with Habibi's house is, even though it says Habibi's house, which sounds like an Arab party, um, I don't want it to be strictly an Arab party by any means. Because my favorite thing about DJing is combining sound, combining culture, mixing stuff up. So I've almost never actually booked another Arab DJ at Habibi's houses. I've gotten Latino DJs, I've gotten Indian DJs, I've gotten Jamaican DJs, I've gotten anything else that I can find because I want people I want people who come to be like, okay, this hour I'm getting a cool dance hall set. And then the next DJ is going to do Bollywood mixed with right. whatever. And then you're you're almost creating an arc. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Of like of eclectic sounds and eclectic music from eclectic DJs. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's amazing. That's the idea. The idea is to give you an experience that you've never heard before, to combine all these underrepresented styles of music. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't want you shouldn't have to even like know the songs to have a good time. Like, I hope you don't know any of them. I hope you just come. We you. don't know any of them, and it sounds good. So, <laughs> they don't be trying to Shazam shit. They can't. Hey, even Shazam it. <laughs> I just want people to come and have a good time and dance because the music is good. It is. You know, and like, that's it. So. And what you're doing is like the way you're mixing and your energy and your showmanship, the dances. It, yeah, it all comes together. Thank it's you. funny because it's like earlier when we were talking about you, I don't know, maybe it was a year or so ago. Or like you know what what he's doing on TikTok is is not very impressive, right? Yeah. And now a year and a half later, I'm wildly impressed. Like I think, <laughs> I think you're like you know like. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> I you're the Middle Eastern you know? moment, you know. What I mean? <laughs> no, Middle Eastern I, moment. <laughs> I really, I'm like I get I get goosebumps thinking about what you're creating right now because I think it's so special. And I'm gonna give you this right now, Kirk is not impressed easily. I'm not. So for him to give you this props and admire you and, and champion you. I no, think but I, I think it's just great, the representation is just like, you know, 20, 30 it's, years it's ago. It's new, it's something new. It's just non-existent, it's fresh. you know? Never been done before. It's different. You know, you. We're, On we're, this level, like and, that. And like we're seeing it happen in real time and we're talking with a person that's leading this movement. I think it's very special. Well, I, I think what you're doing man. is really, really, fucking unique yeah keep that law degree in there just don't forget about us you know keep that law degree <laughs> in the drawer for a little longer buddy yeah you guys seriously you know, but I'm gonna be honest he does support the podcast me and him kind of talk on the weekly basis so he will not forget about your cricket I'll yeah. never forget about I'm just cricket. cold I'm kidding no, you know no. what I'm saying you guys seriously it means the world that you're saying that because no. I know you're all world class DJs and I know that you're not the type to give out some of us I mean, I none of us I'm, are world class no, DJs no no no, no. <laughs> to you we're probably cool <laughs> no no you guys seriously I know that none of you give out props for no reason you're not doing that lightly so i appreciate that yeah i yeah, know um and uh what's crazy too is like people who attend the parties tell me the same thing they tell like multiple times now i've had people come up to me after and tell me that they cried during the set because they've never felt so represented in a in a club space like that and they've never been around yeah. such an energy where it's so inviting and they can be themselves mm -hmm. and they can they don't feel like they're they have to suppress their culture, like we were saying, right? right? They don't feel like they have to, they don't have to acclimate or like become something they're not. Like mm -hmm. they can just be themselves and it's cool. Have your uncles uh, come to the party yet? No, not yet. They live in the Bay, so they haven't had a chance. That's they, gonna be a moment. Yeah, they. Uh, one of them was supposed to come for the last one, but he couldn't make it, but but soon, hopefully. I actually wanna go do one in the Bay. I was gonna ask you that. We was gonna do one out there. That, that's the plan. I want to. Um, I haven't. I haven't figured it out yet. But mm -hmm. I get. I want to do one in the Bay, and then I get um, a ton of comments and requests to do New York City. Mm. Um, 
which I actually might just have to ask you about venues and stuff because I do. You know what? When you're ready for New York City, I'll connect you with Mo. Okay. I'll have you connect with MoMA and, you know, you guys just work work it out. That'd be sweet. Yeah. I'd be so, I'd be very grateful. I think that'll be amazing in New York. Yeah, I think so too. You're going to fucking kill it in New York. (laughs) I hope so, man. Oh my God. DC would be another good place for you to do something. Yeah. I get, I get requests for DC, some for Chicago. Um, New York's the biggest though that always people are like when are you coming to New York Oof. so because there's so many Arabs let me know when you do the New York I'll fucking fly there yeah okay. Same uh, we'll fu- maybe all of us will fucking go and we'll oh God, go please. to the first New York one, please man. please oh we gotta promote that it's every first Sunday every first Friday first Friday sorry. yeah um, Melrose House Melrose House yeah I, uh, I actually have a question sure what do you think is like looking like just looking into the future a little bit mm-hmm. what do you think is the best way to showcase this music to America, quote unquote America. I think that. I mean, I think you're doing it already, mm-hmm. but I, you know, I kind of want to, you know. How can we break it in Vegas? No, 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 no. That's uh, not what I. Uh, look, oh, <laughs> that's what it sounded like. This is the last thing that needs to be in Vegas. Exactly. Do you know what I'm saying? I, like, I, did, I think. I, I think. I want, well, that I was just talking the other day yeah. to someone about how how cool it would be if I could do this in Vegas. Well, I think it would be great for you to do it in Vegas, but in your terms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the don't the that's my main concern. Yeah, is that everything in Vegas is exploitive. Yeah, yeah. It's, do you know what I'm saying? So I want you to do things on your terms, and how you're doing it organically is great. Yeah, I'm actually just really uh, excited about the music. Yeah, and how because I think I've I don't know. This is almost like some Studio Fifty Four shit. You're representing an era of music. If that makes any sense, it does. Yeah, I mean, you know? I I think the way that it's going to become like in, I guess, what was your question? Like mainstream, or how 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 can we get it to the masses? Kind I'm of thinking. Thing? I'm, I'm kind of oh. thinking in your head. How would you like to show? If you had the opportunity to showcase this, you how know what you I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, I think it's a matter of, I think just normalizing it and treating it like it's not something that's foreign, right? Like in the way that Latino music or reggaeton or something is like norm standard like it's not weird or thought of as like if you're playing a top 40 night or any of us and we throw in a bad bunny song it's not thought of as now a reggaeton night Mm -hmm. like it's just a standard type of thing you throw into your set and i want arabic music and all types of these underrepresented music like i'm a piano afro beats and brazilian stuff and indian stuff like i think it should it should all be like that it should all just be like stuff that we can play on the regular and it's not i guess like i don't I think there has to be a movement toward the crowd or people who go out clubbing, accepting the fact that they don't need to know the words to every song or need to know every song right. to have a good time. Because like historically, if you play stuff that nobody knows, they look at you like, yo, like play something we've heard. <laughs> you know, that's interesting you say that because more now more than ever, it's like in in a mainstream club, it's really more about. Uh, playing music that everybody knows yeah that everyone can sing along to yeah. mm-hmm. so and what you're doing you know it's like you know i see like i you know when i was looking at your recap videos i see like asians i see white and they're all like just wilding the fuck out yeah to this music and you know I, you know i don't know if they know the music or not but i've never really seen that before where people are just kind of really really wilding out to new sounds. Right. And well, like it's, I said, well, me being a DJ, I don't even know the music you're playing. Mm. And the crowd is like loving it. They're like going crazy over it. Mm. So you're definitely doing something right. Yeah. Thank you, man. I, th- I think it's just shifting the mindset from like going out and listening and necessarily having to hear songs that you know mm-hmm. versus like going out to have a good time yep. and to party and to 
to to while out like that and not have to know the lyrics to every song you know and it, mm-hmm. it, it's also like the crowd and uh it's it's a mixture of everything right because mm-hmm. the crowd has to be inviting as well totally yeah. so if it, if it is like you know an Arabic crowd and they see asian latino black they have to be like yo well they'd be stoked like, yeah they'd be thing. like come fuck with this yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and you know you know what i mean absolutely and i feel like maybe now nowadays that might not be the energy in every different room sometimes it depends you know? yeah it depends if you're playing like i mean to generalize right depending on the type of music like some rooms are just about flexing at a table right with a, mm-hmm. with a lot of bottles and it's not about dancing or like having fun necessarily it's right not, it's not lighthearted. it's just, some rooms are just like look at my table and how many bottles and women are around us right yeah. and that's like something that I think all of us have DJed around and like it's not necessarily my favorite thing to DJ around. I like to DJ around people who want to dance and have a good time. For sure. And that's I'm happy that I've attracted the crowd that's into that as well. It's great. Nice. I mean, I, damn man, I hope I, by the end of the year I can uh I'd love to get like an EP from you, man. Well, the 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 goal for me this year is to come out with some fully original music. Mm-hmm. So everything I've done so far has been like you know, edits or flips or whatever you want to call it of existing music. Yeah. Um, but what I would like to do is pair up with either some type, I'm not going to sing, some type of vocalist or rapper or something. I don't know what I want to do, but I want to make music in that style. I mean, style. you got a beautiful voice, man. This is like a radio <laughs> yeah. voice. Right. It's like Thank a you. Barry White over here. Thank, Thank you very much. much. Who was that? Who was that? The Frankie, ja- the Frankie Crocker. <laughs> 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 no, no. Who's that? Uh, that Japanese dude on on LA radio who had a Theo. D- Theo. He's like Theo. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> uh, oh, wait, thank you, man. No, no I, I mean maybe. Who knows? Maybe Is this shit on DJ City or anything? Or no? Um, why not? That's a good question. Someone get Phenom on the Jesus. phone. Phenom. He's yeah. right there. Phenom. Get him and- Yo, Phenom. <laughs> Come here. Come here. Come here. <laughs> We're dragging Phenom back into his office because we kicked him out. Uh, he's, like, he's like, what the he's fuck? He's like, do what they do want? motherfuckers want? What do they want now? <laughs> Look at Kid Spence. Like, <laughs> hey, Kid Spence, you come here too. I know. You should come here yeah, too. You come here too. Go sit next to D for me, real quick. Okay. D, if you can move your, your microphone yeah. to him. Kiss me. You can sit Take down. a seat. Take a seat. <laughs> no, no, you don't have to give him the mic. Yeah, because we, we got to hear why it's not. No, no, I have a question. <laughs> why why isn't Habibi's edits on like DJ City or Beat Source right now? Did you send them? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Did you send them? No. Why aren't you chasing them? Why did you ask him? I don't chase him. <laughs> Can we get them? Can we get them on DJ City and Beat Source? Yeah, they submit them over. Yeah. All right, I'm going to submit them. How many edits you got right now altogether? Oh, I don't know. Probably like six. Six or so, maybe five or six. Yeah, can we get some of it by the weekend, yeah. please? Of course, by the weekend. Yeah, I mean, the music director. Yeah, that's yeah, what we. Where, that's what we write. Kiss me. Right yeah. The head of curation for the company. I'll airdrop it to you guys right now. I brought my laptop. I brought my laptop. No, because yeah, I, I think what he's doing is really, really unique it's and a special new movement. But I think you know, it, DJs need to get their hands on this shit and put it in a rotation. What's that? Do you make, does anybody else make those kind of edits? Very few people, I would say, make are making like edits with Arabic music or there's there's I know a good community of DJs who are doing stuff with Indian and Ama Piano and Afro beats and Brazilian stuff, but not I, not too much with Arabic. I have a question: If uh, could you compile a playlist for Beat Source and can you could you could we call it Habibi's House? Yes and yes. Yeah. That would be amazing, right? That'd be that'd be cool. Actually, that'd be a really cool way to like introduce right. DJs to like 
a starter pack of like yeah, yeah, yeah man. stuff that you might not have ever heard. So all the songs you told us earlier, they can be all found at Habib Beats House. Yeah, yeah, yeah that'd be great. You, uh, you have a playlist, you curate it, and we call it Habib Beats House. And you know, it's promoting your party, this mm-hmm. movement that you're creating. Mm-hmm. But then we're also highlighting all these other producers and DJs and and editors creating, a, you know, similar sounds as you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we put it all to kind, you know, we put it all together. That'd be amazing, right? That would be sick. There's so so many so much of the stuff I play is like SoundCloud edits and stuff. Can we get that on there? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Bro, it's like stuff you can't find on Spotify. That's what I mean. I mean, it exists on Spotify and whatnot, but the edits and yeah. all the edits are like not cleared. They're all just like SoundCloud producers. Yeah, we're running through our system and clearing them. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Bro, if DJ Snake is chasing us for keep, these edits. Yeah. Let's, let's get the you know legal team busy with. Yeah, them. don't worry. Just I don't want to know about all the details. All right. Let's just work <laughs> this shit out. I am the legal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got him right here. He has a law degree in music. <laughs> I think that'd be amazing. I would. No, love I, that. I agree. That'd be sweet. Yeah. I'd love to do. Let's that. do it. Okay, you guys can, you guys can you, go back to work. Phenom, you can leave your office now. <laughs> That's great. There we go. In yeah. real time. Just, go. Like that. Just like Just that. Just like that. Cricket things puts things on motion. I want to yeah, see yeah. I want to see when So we got to time this episode perfectly so that when that playlist launches, this episode is the promotion for yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right? It's like out now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's do it. I'm down. A B beats. Uh, you know what? I like. I'm telling you. Let me know about New York. Yeah, we'll come out and I'll support that shit. Uh, I would love to be there. And I think what you're doing is amazing, bro. Thank you, bro. Yeah. All right. Thank that. You. you went. We went from shitting on you a year ago to <laughs> yeah. being your biggest fan. <laughs> you, you, you can't get more New York than that. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's true. That's, that's that is the most honest New York love that you can yes, get. Yes, yes. Yep. I'm honored. I'm honored. Yeah, yeah, I'm honored. Yeah, yeah. No, Habibi. Thank you for coming through, man. Oh, man. Thanks for having me. Bro. Thanks for tuning into The Road Podcast. Don't forget, every Wednesday, we have new episodes on all major streaming platforms. And every Thursday, the video versions go up on our YouTube page. Please subscribe to our channel, youtube.com slash roadpodcast. And to find exclusive clips of the pod, please visit youtube.com slash DJ City. And we'll see you next Wednesday.